Well, welcome back to another episode of Living the Abundant Way podcast. This is a place for all women to feel empowered, to find hope and joy in the everyday life, to be a part of a community of women just like you in pursuit for their purpose, calling, inspiration, and creativity, to feel heard and seen and know no matter the hard days, no matter the battle you were in, you are loved and divinely intended on this earth. 60% of our generation is seeking spiritual guidance and I've seen in my own life the spirit guide me and anoint my mouth with edification and encouragement for others. I'm excited to share with you more in the prophetic, the power of being spirit led to revive those dry places and see the women in this area come back to life. Women who are seeking their dreams and knowing that they were created for more than just getting through the everyday. I'm going to be bringing you educational episodes on how we as women need balance, organization, and structure to grow our capacity as homemakers, entrepreneurs, and mothers. Wherever you are on the journey, there is so much gold inside you. And whether it's just taking that courage to step out into it, awakening the gifts that are inside you, or learning to manage and balance more so you can step into all without lacking anything. I want to see the entrepreneur and working mother able to flourish in all her dreams, her calling and her career while feeling present in the home and able to balance both. I want to see women discover more practical ways to save time, save money and increase rest. If we've learned anything in the last two years, it's rest, family, health and your purpose. May these episodes educate, support, empower, inspire, and lift your eyes to see what's possible, that you may know you can live the limitless life and achieve your wildest dreams. I hope you enjoy today's episode and I cannot wait to hear from you. Please send me a DM over at Living the Abundant Way anytime you feel inspired. If you have a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review, that would be so incredible. I'm so excited for today's episode with Sarah. She is incredible. I found her through just randomly on Instagram and I instantly knew by the style of her photos and the types of food that she was creating, she was my type of girl. I connect so much with the soulful, wholesome, rustic, beautiful food. She doesn't use too many ingredients, but the ingredients she does use are nutritious, wholesome, intentional balanced. She loves aromatics like me more than probably half about half of her ingredients are herbs and spices and flavors. And I love that she doesn't cut too many corners because she wants food to be delicious and tasty and something to be celebrated. Well, Sarah is 35 year old nutritionist currently living at Mount Martha, Victoria with her wonderful husband, Tom and two beautiful girls, Lillian and Penelope. Throughout her journey, she's accumulated a wealth of knowledge in regard to food. She's completed a four-year bachelor's degree in health science, majoring in health promotion and human nutrition. After completing her degree and delving into different jobs within food production, she decided to start her own business seven years ago. Two Pounds was a food and catering business for private high-scale events and corporate functions. It was through Two Pounds that she combined her knowledge of nutrition and her passion for events, and it all started creating wholesome, delicious, and exciting recipes for client functions. And throughout COVID, obviously definitely affected her Two Pounds uh, 
catering business and it really tested her and she had to find this grit that she mentioned in the episode that she got from her father, an old school business mentality where you just keep pushing on and you don't give up. And it really resounded with me. And I can see why Sarah has now pivoted her business and is now actually doing content creation. She's sharing five incredible meals through reels or videos every week. And she actually creates affordable, wholesome recipes that everyday families can totally do. Anyway, you're going to love this episode with Sarah. I had a fantastic time. It was definitely one of my favorite episodes. And I feel like I found a foodie literally just like me. All right, let's get into the episode with Sarah. Well, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. No worries. I'm excited to be here. Okay, awesome. Well, first off, I just want to do some funny little questions just so we can get to know you a little bit better. What sure. would be your least favorite food, being the foodie that you are? Least favorite food. It's not that exciting, but probably anchovies. I can't stand them. I think you either probably love them or you hate them, and I can't stand them. I just feel like they, yeah, whether they're on a pizza or in a dish or whatever, you just can taste that kind of overriding fishy smell I kind of wish I did love them because I feel like they would make a dish if you love their flavor but yeah it probably also my dad used to have sardines and tinned salmon on toast and when we were kids and just the smell in the kitchen just like overpowered the whole thing and I probably stem from there I would imagine my grandma did the same thing with tinned asparagus (laughs) yeah, <laughs> all floppy and mushy, like oh, or so. Yes, good and it's just got a stench, especially you know, thirty years ago or whatever. They weren't made as well as they are today. I just can still remember it, and he'd shove the big, thick pieces on the toast, and the smell would just permeate everywhere. It was just rank. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, and what is one of your funniest, worst, like cooking bloopers. Like when you've been trying to create content, I kind of pictured you like maybe spilling a whole pot of sauce, like in the middle of recording or like something funny. Well, yeah, it's funny. I've only been recording like food content for like about six months and, and all has been okay at this point. Like I can make quite a bit of mess, but probably my saddest, it wasn't when I was filming, but, and I wouldn't call this funny at all, but we got a beautiful Le Creuset pot for our wedding. It was on like our, you know, um, whatever, wedding res- registry. And it was like a dream of mine to get one of these. You know, they're so- back in the day, this was, you know, seven, eight years ago, but they're, they're like six, seven hundred bucks or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just always a dream of mine. Finally got it. And I'd only had it for about a month. And I was cooking in my little sort of kitchen apartment in Paran and kind of picked it up, didn't realise it was hot and just dropped it out of like a reflex and it just I can't it was the red sauce I was cooking I feel like it was a chicken cacciatore but it just went everywhere and the whole pot the whole middle just cracked and there was just no saving it like at least if my mother-in-law's got still got hers from her wedding and it's just the handle that's broken off so you can still kind of use it but this was just like it dropped and I was like oh my god I've waited my whole life to get one of those pots and I've had it for a month and then it's gone so (laughs) that was a bit of a sad day that one but yeah I've since saved up and bought another one so that's okay (laughs) 
I was going to say, I feel like that's something that then you buy once you've reached that point in your like business and being self-employed where you're like, all right, I'm bringing in a certain amount of money now. I can actually go and splurge on this for my cooking and everything. (laughs) Exactly. So I I take very good care of it now. I sort of, yeah, always put the oven mitts on, always pick it up with care and and just watch, yeah, that we don't want another incident like that. (laughs) And what country would you most love to create food content in and like the setting in the background (laughs) oh gosh lots of places I think probably Vietnam which is quite random but yeah only but not when when I think about the setting I don't like the heat so probably take that factor away but I just love Vietnamese food I love Asian food but Vietnamese particularly just fresh herbs and the colours and the meats and the sauces and all of that. So, yeah, would love to cook in Vietnam with all their kind of local produce and stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. And and probably also Italy, which is totally other end of the spectrum, pastas and pizzas and ragus and all of that. But, yeah, cooking away in Tuscany or somewhere like that would be pretty nice. <laughs> oh, when you said Vietnam, was it your one pot wonder you did the other day it had like the um, beef and it had like lemongrass and oh yeah the lemongrass beef curry we used to sell that when I started my catering business and it was everyone's favorite and it is the easiest curry like it's literally throw it in a pot into the oven or the slow cooker and and yeah the flavors are all that kaffir lime and lemongrass and red chili and it's just beautiful yeah really good one that one yeah, I really, really, I feel like that's the thing you make on a Friday night when you've got like a couple coming over for dinner and you just have some yes. rice and it's just like decadent. Yum. I love that. Yeah, definitely. It is a winner, that one. Okay. We'll get to the more serious questions now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you love most about being in the kitchen? Like where did that fire and inspiration like first start? Was it right back when you were like a really little girl or is it something that's matured over time? Yeah, definitely from a young age. I used to cook with my mum a lot. I'm one of five kids. So she would always get us involved wherever she could. And yeah, just from a really young age. And then I was a cook in sort of cafes and restaurants in my teens. As soon as I could get a job, I got one because I just loved the independence and doing all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, worked with some really cool chefs in my 20s. And then I think that all led to then, yeah, when I was sort of 27, that's when I started my catering business, my first business, just because food was my life. Like I just had done it all my life. It felt very natural to me. I, I loved it. So, yeah, it, started, it wasn't like a, a, an incident or, you know, an experience that kind of changed my life with food. It was more that I just grew up with it and around it and I really loved it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I love that. And even you just touching on you cooking with your mum, is that something that you've carried through with your children? Like do you bring them into the cooking journey with you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to, most of the time when I'm filming content and stuff like that now, the girls here, like they're at, you know, kinder, daycare, that kind of thing. So we'll all, and then I'll try, I'll try, which is always very hard to do, but on the weekends, I'll try not to film so I can actually hang out with them and spend some time with them. But yeah, we'll do very basic things. Lil's quite into it, my four and a half year old, she'll get up and, and I've always had this thing where I'm like, don't be too afraid to let them be involved you know if it's a hot pot they can absolutely still get up and jump on a stool as long as you're kind of there and and whatever and keeping an eye on them and knives you know we've always given little little butter knives every now and then she'll use a sharp knife if we're there helping her so yeah it's very I think it's probably really easy to say oh no no that's really hot 
don't you're, you're not to get near that or anything like that but it just takes them away from the process so yeah wherever we can we'll get them in penny my 18 month old she's obviously a little bit too young but she always screams to get you know picked up to to get involved and we sort of do what we can with her but yeah it, it's nice to get them to get them all a part of it yeah i recently was at a um friend's house after a bit of a kind of gathering we had and i was like let me stay a bit longer and i'll bring some steam greens and we'll add it to her she was like slow cooking some beef in the oven and there was some other families that lingered as well and these younger girls like in there just before they're going to I guess that pre-teen age and I'm just cutting up like sweet potatoes just to make baked sweet potato fingers because that's what my son loves they wanted to come and help me and I was like okay and they're like so teach me like how do you peel and you know they've, they've got the peeler pressing against the sweet potato on the chopping board and they're trying to awkwardly hold it from the top and I'm saying you know pick it up hold it turn it as you're holding it and they were just blown away but I just saw the joy of bringing yeah. it into the process even the simple things like they were like let me chop it so I'm just showing them some basic cutting skills where to put their fingers where to put their hand to keep safe and all yep. these things and before I knew it then there was the other mum that was in there helping then there was the other girl helping and it was like this full thing. And I had this moment where I looked around and I was like, this is family. Like this is yeah. coming together and cooking and all the girls were getting involved. They were kind of learning how to cook. And then I found out that actually one of the girls doesn't actually have a very good home life and she never gets mm. to do that with anyone in her family. And she started setting the table and doing the cutlery. I'm like, that's what you do when you're in a family, isn't it? You help cook, you set the table. And it just kind of brought that nostalgia back for me. Like, oh, I'd love to see the joy come back in the kitchen for mums and their kids. And it's not like a drag, like it can be a yes. joyful thing. And that is one of the reasons I actually was so drawn to your page was because you make yummy food, but it's not overcomplicated. Like I always see you, you don't use too many ingredients, but you use really flavorsome ingredients. And a lot of it is one pot things. You use lots of like fresh greens and herbs and yeah, I just would love to hear a little bit more about it because there is a particular style in your cooking that you gravitate to. Yeah, and I guess it's probably been because, yeah, when, when I was in my 20s and I cooked all the time, but it was pre-kids and, and pre-life getting a bit crazy, I would tend to do those longer dishes, you know, that take time and that you have a whole Sunday arvo. What a luxury <laughs> to be able to put together and then, you know, having my girls and trying to run a business and, and do all the other things in between, you realise that you just don't have that time. And, and I think everyone's, whether you're a mum and you work or you don't, it, the time thing is such a factor. And so with my recipes, I, because then the other end of the spectrum is what I've seen a lot on Instagram lately is that, you know, people are putting out like, oh, 10 minute, you know, whatever. And they're cutting so many ingredients that it's just like, mm, but that's just not even going to be a nice dish. Like, you know, it, and that's what's hard. You can't cut corners so much that you're left with, you know, these five ingredient things that are going around at the moment. I'm like, yes, but oh my God, there'll be no depth of flavor or you need that other ingredient to really complement that other ingredient. So it's really hard. And that's what I've tried to do, find a balance between, you know, my community doesn't have the luxury of time. They're busy, they're, they're mums or dads, they're working, they're not working, whatever, but they're, they're busy people. So it's like, but then I don't want them to create dishes with five ingredients where it's like, yeah, cool, I got dinner on the table in 15 minutes, but it tasted like shit. Like, so it's just this fine line of 
I try to design and create my recipes where I try to stay around 10 ingredients because I think that's kind of doable. And then you're not lacking on those certain, you know, ingredients that develop the flavours or add the texture or, or whatever else. But then you can kind of, in under an hour, I always aim every recipe to be under an hour, unless I'm doing something special like a slow-cooked lamb or whatever. But Or you're putting something in a slow cooker, which obviously the prep is quick and then it's in there doing the work for you. But, yeah, try to keep them under an hour, half an hour if I can, and use around 10 ingredients. And just try and get as many veggies in there without kids noticing because <laughs> I know that's such a big you know area that's I'm trying to tackle that every child is different and a lot of them don't like certain veggies or you know one week they like something and then the next week they hate it so yeah it, it's sort of trying to get quick recipes that have a good amount of flavor that you can that aren't using a thousand pots a thousand pans a thousand you know all of that sort of stuff on the table in a relatively short amount of time hopefully and I'm guessing in those 10 ingredients at least a third is probably aromatics herbs spices yes well because I love cooking with herbs that's what and and I used to be the person that you know because as I was saying I love Asian food in most Asian salads soups dishes there's like at least four or five herbs you know you've got your Vietnamese mint your Thai basil your normal mint that your coriander they throw in so much lemongrass kaffir lime all that sort of stuff which Yes, of course, if you had the time or um, whatever, you'd throw all that in because it does develop better flavour and whatever. But realistically, as if someone's going to go down to the supermarket and buy five five bunches of herbs for one dish, like it's just not practical and it's a waste of money a lot of the time. So that's where I've come to learn. In my 20s, I threw every herb into an Asian dish that I was making. And now in my 30s, being a mum, two kids, like you're rushing around, it's like, okay, which ones can I, which is really hard for me to do, (laughs) but which ones can I kind of cut that you're still going to get really, really yummy flavour, but you only need to use one or two of them as opposed to five. Yes, I love it. I literally posted a reel, was it yesterday, about herbs. And I see so often women not buy herbs because they feel like they don't know how to use herbs or they only use herbs for one dish and they only need a little bit and then they feel like they chuck the rest of the bunch out. So I was saying like add your chopped up herbs to the top of your salads, like sprinkle it on your soups, even chop it up and freeze it and then throw it in a curry the next time. It's going to be okay. Or you know, what was the other thing I said, or even get the kids involved and have a little herb garden out the back and make it a little project. So you, and I did a poll and I said, how many of you don't buy herbs because you feel like you don't know how to use it and you end up wasting it and it costs. And so many people said that they actually cut out herbs because they just use a little bit. And I think the other thing I said was, and you would probably love this, make two dishes in the week that need the same herb, like Mexican coriander, like a guacamole or whatever, a salsa. And then you might put it in Asian cuisine, like a curry or a sang shoy bao, whatever. And you've used probably the whole bunch, but you don't think that you've had coriander twice if you like coriander. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what's like, that's without sounding like a dick. That's easy (laughs) for me to do when I'm meal planning for the week. I'll go, yeah, cool. And because I go through so much stuff anyway with, how much filming I'm doing and stuff like that I I, because I hate wasting food so I'll always watch that but if you know a basic knowledge of food it's cool a bunch of coriander I could I'm making a pumpkin a Thai pumpkin soup later in the week and I'm as you said I'm also making a curry or an Asian dish of some kind I'll split it or Mexican I'll split it and half will go in that half will go in that 
But again, what I'm learning through my community is a lot of people don't like cooking and it stresses them out and they don't have that knowledge. And that's totally fair enough. I only have it because it's, you know, my passion and my job. But it's like, if you don't have that, how are you even meant to know you know, what you're going to use. It takes a lot longer to meal plan because then you're sitting down, you're like, okay, so if I buy a bunch of coriander, I've got to find two or three dishes to be able to separate it. So it's, yeah, and that's where having those little quick fixes, like chop it up, have it in a a container in the fridge, throw it on a salad, throw it in a soup, throw it in a curry. That's what's so nice about winter cooking. It's so much easier to do that stuff, but it works like that. But yeah, it's, it's hard because I'm learning through my community that not everyone just can quickly write down a meal plan and be like, cool, I'll split that. Like they've got to be sitting there going through recipe books and all of that to try and make it work. And again, a lot, a lot of people don't have the time to sit there for hours meal planning. Which is, I'm guessing, why a lot of your content has shifted to video content and now you're <laughs> doing these little mini reels of how to do these one pot wonders or these quite simple dishes, even though they've got 10 ingredients, I would say it's when you have herbs and stuff, it doesn't really feel like 10 ingredients. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about that. Have you really shifted your content and what you're creating as well? Because you're seeing how much people just want to see a quick little video, how to make it. They want that practical resource. Yeah, definitely. And I think with reels, you know, I've done a lot of research on reels and and all of that sort of jazz. And they say, you know, the shorter the reel, the better, because you just want to captivate their attention and whatever else. But with recipes, that's actually quite hard to do because most of my community love that I show them how to do. So if I just showed the end result and, you know, I've made these, the lemongrass beef curry or the noodles that I just put up today, and I just show a quick little video of 10 seconds of the noodles they're kind of like oh yeah cool that looks great but I I need technique I, I need to be shown the method I need to I need help with what to do and so my reels are generally longer like they'll go for almost a minute when I'm doing a recipe reel because I find it helps out my community so much because they're able to sit down and go okay that's how she threw that in or oh that's how that happens or and it's a bit more of a, a show yeah, like uh, videos are so good like that. I, even like photos and things like that don't give the real kind of idea of start to finish process. So that's what I love as well that I'm able to kind of show them go, it's not that hard. Don't be intimidated by making a curry. It doesn't have to have a thousand ingredients and have all these old school techniques thrown in. It's like you can just do a modern quick curry and here's how kind of thing. Absolutely. And the other thing I feel like people need to take so much pressure off themselves Food can taste amazing, but it might not look that great. Sometimes oh, I think definitely. people think <laughs> it needs to look awesome. And honestly, all you need to do is sprinkle some chopped herbs on top of a pot. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, tell, and it looks amazing. But I think people get sometimes caught up with like, I feel like your page, what I love is it's so authentic. You don't try to make everything perfect. You just, yep. You've got a bit of a rustic edge to you, that kind of homeschool, home cooking feel, which I really love. But sometimes I'm not trying to be judgmental when I see like the really perfect everything's I'm like, bro, my food never looks like that. And to be honest, cafe food never looks like that. You have to really get yeah. fine dining food to really care about all the details on top. Like, like you said, like a curry it might just look like a bowl of liquid with random yep. big chunky things sticking out, but it's the most delicious, nourishing, wholesome, you know, full of love family favorite. So I think it's nice just to take the pressure off women as well like this is your this is your career like how long does it actually t- I'd love to know. how long does it actually take you 
like start to finish when you're filming your video creation, like making it all look pretty and like setting everything out on the bench. Like I don't have yeah, yeah. It, for that. It, it is really time consuming. I've gotten a lot quicker. So I, I started basically filming my recipes last September and oh my God, it would take me a full day to do one recipe. Like it literally, cause I was learning how to use the, the camera and getting the right light and, and then making it look good and getting out all your props and whatever. Now I'm a lot more set up. I've got downstairs, which is sort of my studio space and everything's kind of down there, which is great. But now I could get through about depending what they are but three to four a day if I really like was like right I'm batch cooking today and I'm going to get through it all but I've also learned having a catering business for seven years I've learned like quick little fixes to make food look good as well like and as you say it's little things like chop some green herbs throw it on top chop some nuts you know um, sprinkle some nuts on top pile your food high in the bowl so it you know sits up and looks nice like all those little things I've just learned through again my job like so it's it there are little tricks but as you say who <laughs> what mum with two kids at home on Wednesday at 5 30 has time to make their bloody curry look nice and who cares like just eat it and enjoy it and you know then your next bloody job's waiting for you anyway so <laughs> it's like as long as it tastes good as, as long as it's got some goodies in there nutrition wise as long as it feeds your family and you can you know go off and have a good night's sleep that's all that really matters oh I hear you. you're talking my language what are <laughs> two what are two of your favorite top tips I did love one of your reels Three of your reels the other day, you were just saying like some organization, kitchen hacks. Yeah. I love that you were doing stuff like that. What are your two top tips for being organized in the kitchen? Oh, top tips. I think if you're about to do like either whether you're about to meal plan or you're about to cook a single dish, it's as, it might sound really obvious, but empty your dishwasher and have it empty and open. Because what I used to do, I used to be like, oh, I can't be bothered emptying the dishwasher. And then I'd go and I have gotten much, much better. But if you ask my husband, he used to call me, well, he still kind of does on some days, but Hurricane Sarah, because I get so excited. I get in the kitchen and I pull out every pot and pan and I use every different bowl and knife and fork and utensil. And, and you know, for a while we had the rule, I cook you clean, which was awesome because, you know, I'd make an absolute pigsty. I'd get to sit down and enjoy the meal, but then he had to do the dishes. And after a while, he kind of cottoned on and went, okay, this isn't really fair because you've left me a bomb site in there and it's going to take me over an hour to clean up. So I kind of, especially with starting filming my reels, I was like, I have to have a better process as well with the girls as well, that you just don't want to always a pigsty of a kitchen. You've got to have a better process to be able to keep meat. So they're just little things now. It's like empty the dishwasher before you start cooking. Otherwise, I used to pile up all the dishes. You know, you'd have a clean dishwasher sitting there. And so everything you use, we'd sit on the sink. Then you'd use however many dishes. You'd go to eat your meal and you'd look back and you'd go, oh, my God, now I have to empty the dishwasher and stack all of that stuff in when I could have just been doing it as I go. Yes. Little things like move your bin to where you're working or have a scrap bowl when you're working. Like just like we our where our bin is, it's on the other side of our bench. So... I would, you know, be carrying over scraps of onions and whatever and you're just dropping stuff and it's taking, you know, you're crossing the kitchen 25 times in, a, in making one recipe. So just little things like that I think help. Like even now I'll clean out my fridge once a week, which people be like, oh, God, who has time for that? But I just find it helps in that 
I'm not then overbuying because there's not a thousand things stuffed in my fridge and things parting at the back that are, you know, past the use by and you're throwing out. You kind of know exactly what you've got. So pantry, not so much because, you know, pasta and, and and things like that stocks and whatever lasts a lifetime so you don't I'm not as diligent in um the pantry but just little tiny things like that that kind of make the process a bit easier and and man- more manageable that if you're cooking a recipe just try and clean as you go if you finish a bit of a step and you've got the time spend one minute tidying up the stuff that you know putting the sauce if you're making an Asian sauce you get out six bottles put them back in the cupboard before you move on to the next step and that way at the end when you've made your yummy dish and all you want to do is sit down and bloody eat it you're not looking back at the kitchen and going oh my god like I've got to spend 40 minutes in that afterwards cleaning up and I'm just tired so yeah just little things there's no unfortunately there's no magic you know wand that you can wave and the kitchen's just clean (laughs) you literally said all my favorite top tips there you go even today I posted a really stupid reel of me pulling a gross old like moldy zucchini yeah (laughs) I got at the back and zucchinis actually go off super fast like lots of vegetables actually expire really fast they go soft really fast and I wasn't on top of it because I had to fly to Sydney for an emergency document and uh, my whole routine was out and I left dad for the first time to a whole night by himself and all that sort of stuff and I made a joke about it because that is literally the bane of most mums existence yeah buying all these vegetables they think they're going to create all these amazing meals for but actually don't even have the time or capacity to make them and it's actually impossible to eat that same amount of vegetable that many times in the week like you get sick of it you don't yes. need to get conned into buying the massive bag of zucchinis you're probably only going to use maybe two zucchinis in a week unless you yeah. really love it definitely expensive zucchinis yeah, oh my expensive. god everything is expensive at the moment I'm like I couldn't I, I I needed corn for a recipe yesterday and I was like whoa what's happened to corn like what used to be you know I feel like two dollars fifty two ninety nine for a three pack it was like six fifty and anyway it really kills me when I see that but but yes exactly it's like if you buy and that's where also meal planning comes in and does help but when you do meal plan if you do it's about being realistic when you do and not being like yeah cool 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 I'm gonna make those six recipes this week and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. but you know you've got a busy week with the kids or you know your work's crazy and it's like that's when they just sit in the fridge and you know eventually go off and it's like so even with my filming I have to get realistic if I'm trying to try and put it in perspective If I'm trying to film, I'm like, cool, I'm going to try and get through eight recipes over the next three days. It's like, yeah, but Sarah, you've got a really busy Tuesday with client calls all day. You wanted to film Wednesday. You just said before I could probably only get through four in a day if I'm really savvy and, you know, get it. So it's like, okay, don't buy the stuff for eight. Just buy the stuff for four. And if you happen to get through them, then you can shoot out and get some more. Like, and I think being realistic about your planning for your meals for the week or that, you know, you might want to make a zucchini slice or kids muffins or something like that for lunch boxes. It's like, be realistic about it. Like, when are you going to do it? And if you don't think you're going to do it, if you're like, oh, we're out tomorrow, Arvo, at the barbecue and all oh, we've got that Sunday, Arvo, then just skip it. And, you know, and that's little things like you can always, the good thing about winter coming is that things like veggies and it's, they're so easy to throw into like a soup or a curry or with my curries, I literally just change up. I don't, you know, get ideas from recipes or anything. The other day in the lemongrass beef, I think I put in 
pumpkin and green beans, but you could basically substitute anything. And that's what's so nice about winter with casseroles and curries and soups and all of that. It's like if you've got a you know half withered zucchinis staring at you, then just chop it up and throw it in, even if the recipe doesn't say so. Oh, you're speaking my language. I literally did that last <laughs> night. I had carrots. What did I have? Carrots, zucchinis, tomatoes, a sweet potato. I put all of them in and then I went back and I was like, oh, I've got leek, onion, garlic. I've got coriander, yep. broth, and then ended up making this actually really amazing soup. But I was really just trying to clear out the bottom of my crisper before it went. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. It cleared out all the leftover veggies that we were trying to get rid of. There was basically no wastage except for this one disgusting moldy zucchini that was at the back and a few cherry tomatoes because we're just trying to clear our fridge out. And I was like, yes, I love soup season. You literally can put anything in there and yeah. add it. And like my son's actually starting to get into soups now, particularly like I've never had a fear around like salt. There's like this real stress around kids having salt and not to yes. have any salt until they're like 18 months and I think if you're using unrefined really good quality sea salt I don't think there's anything wrong with a little bit of sea salt my kid loves seasoning like he loves flavor and herbs and he eats way more food when there's flavors and he's actually yep. eating like soups now because they're like salty and brothy and like anyway I love no definitely yeah I'm always like seasoned with your kids same with pepper people are scared of pepper and they're like oh but it'll be too spicy for them I'm like no if you don't introduce it too early then they're never gonna like it and they're gonna yeah and so I've always salt and peppered yeah not as much as I would for bash and I'm sorry I say bash that's my husband but Tom and I but if yeah, I'm always like throwing some salt and pepper and then every now and then I'll even throw in some chilli, like if it's not a super hot chilli. Yeah. And, yeah, Penny, both of them love it, but Penny, who's 18 months old, particularly loves the chilli. And it's never over spicy that it's burning her mouth, but there's a subtle kind of heat there and she loves it. And I think it's nice because I'm hoping, who knows, but she'll sort of stick with that and love it as a flavour as she gets older. Yeah, so good. Oh. I love this. I love this. <laughs> it's like my heart is like leaping out. It's not heaps of people you can get on the real foodie chat with. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Okay. I'd love to switch gears because you are a yep. mompreneur and I know we are now living in times where women more than ever are shifting into being full-time workers and being a mom. We're definitely shifting into an era where we're becoming more online. So many online businesses started in 2020. We've had people affected by the mandates. We've had women not wanting to send their kids to daycare and be at home more. Like there's a million reasons why women are stepping more into their career and their purpose and business, but they're also trying to manage the home and that doesn't go away. And, you know, everyone, like we spoke before on the phone, everyone has different dynamics in their family. Their husband could be a, a businessman like mine and just hates housework or he could be literally in a really hectic career or like a really you know a big job that's taxing and he's away like 10 hours in the day Monday to Friday and the mum's also working full-time and the kids are at school or daycare whatever so how have you managed because you've obviously had a catering business you've had all sorts of careers your eldest is four so essentially you became a mum four years ago and well, actually five. She turns five in like two weeks, which is just scarily creeping up. But anyway, yep. Wow. So I know. five years. Yeah. And a lot's happened in five years in terms of your career path and your success. And like, I'm sure there's a lot that's happened. So how have you managed it all? Oh, God. How do you answer that in a nutshell? 
<laughs> I've still got my hair, so that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, how have I managed? I, I've read lots of female business books. I used to now I'm more because I'm, you know, filming and creating content all the time. I don't get as much time to do that anymore. But they used to always kind of empower and inspire me with different things. And I used to, re- when I read them, I didn't like when the authors almost acted as if they did it all themselves. And the point I'm trying to make is you cannot do it all yourself. So to be able to, whether you want to use the word succeed, because what does even succeed mean, but whether you want to be able to balance life and motherhood and business, if you've got your own business or you're working, it's like you can't actually do it all alone. You need to have support. And support comes in all different forms. But for me, my husband, Tom, is incredible. He's always been there kind of pushing me to go for what I want, even though some, you know, over the years there's been some crazy, weird ideas. He has never questioned it. He's been like, go for it. Just do it. I'll help out, which is half the battle I feel like as well. I think if you've got a supportive partner that believes in in the stuff that you want to achieve, that's really like your first kind of, you know, your big thing to get through. But, yeah, support is a huge thing. I don't think so. My point of the books was I used to read these things and these women that were doing incredibly well would almost talk and act like, oh, yeah, I just do this and, you know, I'm a mom and I do this and it's all. And it's like "Mm, it doesn't work like that. I feel like you need help around you, whether that is in the form of a partner, a friend, your parents, so whether it's your in-laws or your own parents, your siblings, your friends in the community, all of that sort of stuff, babysitters, nannies, whatever it is, you need that sort of support network to be able to succeed. And that's what I've had around me, which I've been very, very lucky, both Tom's and my parents. And I understand there's millions of people out there that don't have the luxury of their grandparents being able to help. And so we're very, very fortunate about, you know, with regards to that. Tom's parents live 100 metres up the road. They're so good with the girls at, yeah, at a last, you know, looking after them and, and supporting. And my parents are in the city, but so supportive as well. Whenever I've got jobs on events that I need to be at, they're just there and ready to take on the girls. And so I think that's a big thing. But I think when it comes to the home, obviously it, it's then just you and your partner, or maybe it's not just you and your partner, maybe it's just you alone. It's this whole constant battle of just being able to balance stuff. And I feel like it's never really in balance. I don't, I don't understand how some women say it is for them because it's like, cool, if I've got five days of hectic work but I'm doing really well at work, then the house just looks like a bomb's hit it. You know, like there's, again, there's no magic wand that you can wind and say, oh, I've got a busy week this week, so can the house just be clean and everything be working and dinner be on the table? Like, so it's, it is a constant battle. And my husband, we kind of have, I've been with my husband nearly 20 years, which is a bit scary, but seven and a bit. And I think when I met him, I just always had this feminist streak in me that I was always going to have or try to have a balanced 50-50 relationship, especially when you have children. It was just always the way I was. I don't know why. I think I just... Didn't, and do you know what? This is a really funny topic because I feel like I don't want to step on anyone's toes. It's a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. But I feel like, you know, if you choose to be at home with your children, that's brilliant. But I was never going to be that. I just, I'm too impatient. 
I just tear my hair out. I hate the park, which I know I'm a shocking mum for hating the park, <laughs> but I do. I don't know why everyone bloody loves the park. It drives me insane. But it's just like, <laughs> it's just a bit of, I, that, that was never going to be me. I, I always loved work. I loved using my brain at work and that kind of thing. So I went, I, I always knew I wanted to do that. So Tom and I kind of, we didn't have an agreement. We never really discussed it before having children, but I think he knew the way I was and it was going to be like, if we have children, it's going to be split as much as possible. So we do that as much as we can, but then within the home, we have certain roles. Like there's certain things that he'll do and I'll never do, like take out the rubbish and with a snip of the grass and <laughs> Just stuff like that that I admit I will never touch. He cleans that disgusting fish tank, which I can't stand to look at. But all those little things that, you know, you have your jobs within. I do all the washing, but he does all the folding. And it's not even like we sat down, which I think if you want to sit down and do this, if you kind of have a, a house where you want to try and balance it out more than this could be an idea. But we just kind of fell into those roles over the years. I think we both knew we wanted to do the shared co-parenting as much as possible. He works from home. He always has worked from home. So even pre-pandemic, he works with his father, which is set up. And so that makes a huge difference as well, because I feel like if your partner's going off at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and isn't home till 7 o'clock at night, it also makes it really tricky to try and do the balancing. But sorry, that was just a very long-winded answer for your question. I loved it. I could talk about this for hours. All I'm thinking about is when are we going to get Tom on the podcast so we can get him <laughs> to train all the other husbands to just yes. go through the folding once the washing's done. <laughs> that was not my situation. Like for me, I have to have high communication. I have to express yes. what needs to be done. My husband came from a 150-year legacy, like generation on a farm. So very patriarchal, like I'm pretty sure like granddad's probably never even changed a nappy, like (laughs) probably never even pushed a pram. Like the fact that Jam was pushing a pram and like wearing a baby carrier was like revolutionary for his generation from where he's come from. So I take into obviously into consideration like where you come from and all of that sort of stuff and communication. Like I'm literally thinking about Tom, I'm like, Tom's a unicorn. Like who is, where did you find this Tom person? He sounds amazing, 50-50 and the housework and the kids. I'm like, okay. But you're right. It We are living in times where we aren't 1950s housewives anymore. Like yeah. I know a very small percentage of women now that are actually 100% stay-at-home mums where they're literally at home with the kids. Maybe they help with the husband's business a little bit, but their predominant role is mother and house like housekeeper and everybody else, particularly because I came from New South Wales, women have to work. Like you actually can't pay rent anymore unless you work like my husband's a real businessman. He's like, honestly, Caitlin, like to pay good rent in a house you really want in Sydney, you both need to be on like over a hundred K to be comfortable ish. If you want to add holidays on top of that and a nice car and this, he's like, that's just not the reality of, the times we live in. So if you have one person not working in the house, we're talking a, a lot of pressure on the other person, whoever that is, yep. male or female. So it's true. We we really need balance in the perspective, particularly from the man's side that, yeah, I go to work five days a week, but that doesn't mean I'm 
homemaker as well. And I love that women are stepping into online space because it has sort of release for a bit more flexibility and you can make yeah. hours work a bit more and you can throw in your slow cooker in between your calls and you've got, we've getting a little bit more of that life, but you're so right. So I'm like, we need Tom. We need, he's very good. I've got friends that are like, Oh my God, just bash. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But even even though he is incredible and he's taken on that role and he's very hands-on with the girls, always has been, there, I would have always, whoever I maybe have met, if it wasn't Tom, I would have always had that kind of deal. It's just in my bones. Why do I? And only because I've worked, like I didn't have maternity leave with my two girls. Like I had my own business and when I had Lily, the business was still so young, I couldn't afford to pay someone. So I basically was working when she was, you know, a few days old. And then when I had Penny, it was mid-pandemic. And again, my business had taken a total blow with events and lockdowns in Victoria. So again, I couldn't afford someone really to put on while I had that time. So it was like, if you're both working full time, and contributing that to the family, then why shouldn't the whole housework kid thing be the same? It's just, so yeah, it's, it's a very tricky one because there's so many different scenarios and everyone is in a different kind of situation. And so you just got to work out what works for you. And even when you said that about the roles with, I was talking to a friend the other day and same kind of thing her husband like he's out the door really early in the morning and then gets home at sort of you know six six o'clock at night and she was like all the jobs all the tasks were just doing my head in so she was kind of like right you're on school lunch boxes like her daughter started school this year and she's like that's just another thing I'm gonna have to add to my list of never-ending shit and so she was like that's your role you do the lunch boxes every night and apparently he was at the start he was like oh but I don't really know what to do and she was like either this is where I was chatting to her like you either can teach them show them what you do and go yep now it's your turn I'll go just learn figure it out send the first lunchbox see what comes back see what the teacher says if you've thrown you know a thousand hundreds and thousands and weird stuff in there whatever (laughs) but that's your role from now on hope you're loving this episode with Sarah. Isn't she literally incredible? She is a walking truth of everything that you see on her Instagram. Her Instagram has blown up without her even really trying because she's serving and delivering, I feel like, exactly what every woman, mother so desires. So I just so hope you're loving this episode. Please reach out to Sarah myself and just share what was your biggest takeaways. I also want to jump in here and just let you know about our free three-part video series, which I share a little bit more about going deeper into kitchen preparation, meal prepping, virtually showing you how all of this is possible, plus the exclusive interview with Kate, the home organization expert on how to organize our home, reduce stress and overwhelm and decrease the issues around mental health and not feeling like our house and our home creates a place of serenity and peace and also function. Plus, I delve into the five areas of the home that's causing the most hormone disrupting, the chemicals that we could be avoiding and the really simple practices that we could be swapping out to improve the quality of our home. Thus, 
increasing productivity as female entrepreneurs, having more self-care and time as a mother, putting on that extra bubble bath at the end of the night because you're not bent over the kitchen rushing around and just enjoying being a homemaker on a totally other level rather than it being a part of the home that just causes you stress and overwhelm. This three-part series will be available in the show notes. So jump in there, download that, and I cannot wait to see how this video series transforms your home. All right, let's jump back into the episode with Sarah. What you're doing, and it just, yeah, it, it, I know every man is different, and some are, are pretty hopeless at, you know, taking on certain roles and whatever. But if you have to teach them and show them, same thing. And I was the same when my girls were born. I'd nannied for ten years, different families, and so Tom, my husband, was like a little bit scared because he'd never been around kids in his life. And he was like, can you show me like how to do a swaddle and can you show me how to put a nappy on? And I was like, no, you just figure it out yourself. Like, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just was saying, if I have to show you how to do everything all the time, you're going to be reliant on me all the time. And I don't want that. I, I want you to figure out your own way with Lil. And then if it's a different way to mine, fine. She'll get used to it and she'll love it and you'll have your own little connection for that. So it's just also about let them try and do it their way and, you know, because I think mothers sometimes can do the whole I do it better or let me in or you're not doing it properly. And it's like, no, no, just let them have, if they're having a go, let them try and let them persist and they'll probably work out a way that works and that your child loves. So I don't know, who knows? (laughs) Yep. We have this, my son is very narrow in frame. So I've been getting a lot of onesies because it doesn't matter. I've got all the buttons are meant to go at the back. My husband does it backwards. And he goes to daycare <laughs> every time with these full up to the neck because it's meant to be high at the back and then scooped at the front. Fully up to the neck with these buttons that go all the way down the front. It's all different in the crutch and right up the bum. <laughs> and I'm like, I've told you so many times the buttons go at the, the back and he goes, Oh, whatever. It looks better like that anyway. Yeah. And you know what? what? Like, yeah, it works. It's still keeping you warm. It's still doing what it's meant to be doing. Who cares? And that'll just be a cute little story you have forever. Like that, you know, daddy used to dress you and all of that sort of stuff. Because my parents, same thing. I was one of five. It was very much the time of dad was the breadwinner, all of that. And, you know, and not his fault at all because he's a brilliant dad, but he never changed a nappy. He never you know, got us dressed. He never bathed us. He never did any of that stuff. And changing in that dads are getting, and I think COVID has somewhat helped with that, with dads being home more, but they're getting involved in their kid's life a little bit more. And also the nitty gritty, you know, stuff that the mums usually have to do is is shifting. Yeah, so nice. It's so amazing. It's so nice seeing the men so empowered. I love it when you go to like the beach and all the dads often on a Saturday morning, I've got the carries or the prams. And you know yeah. that, that like that's often the morning when like mum finally, you know, can have a break because dad's there on the weekends if they work and you just see all these dads going up and down. I'm like, wow, we have come so far. Exactly. It's not a very long time when mum actually is at home having like a probably, a, hopefully she's probably cleaning she's the house. Probably doing the housework. <laughs> um, but again, it's just beautiful. Um, exactly. I wanted to also ask you, has there been like a business female role model that you've always looked up to that you've thought has just been really inspiring and really inspired you on your career path? Oh, that's a good one. I feel like this is a really good question, but I used to nanny a family for 10 years and Marita was their mum. And 
she was just, I think she was, she wouldn't even know I was saying this, but she was probably a huge inspiration to me. She, so I used to nanny them quite a lot, like every day, some full days, some school afternoons. And she just kind of took on this huge job when it was very in its, in its infant stages and has built it up and worked really, really hard, but loved what she did, but then was such a good mum as well. And this is, again, where I come back to the support. Like, And she has said this to me a number of times, but she was able to do what she did because she had a brilliant husband, Pat, and I was there a lot of the time. Like, again, you can't do it all. You can't be good at everything and you can't be in 10 places at once. So, But she was just always really... she so motivating, so empowered by her job and loved it. So she was always very, mo- I, I nannied them for 10 years. She loved her job. She was so imp- like motivated by it. And I saw that in her energy all the time, but then she'd come home and be a brilliant mum. And I think just being around that for so long, it's also really helped me not to, when I'm working long hours or I'm away from the girls, not to feel guilty because I'm like, my girls are fine. They're absolutely fine. They're either with their father or their their grand their their grandparents or a babysitter who adores them. As long as they're being loved and and you know cared for, then I don't need to be there all the time. Hmm. Oh wow, that's so beautiful. I love that you had that experience with your essentially your yeah. Boss. I know. You wow. know, she was great. It's always so good. Loved her job, but then was an awesome mum. So you can do it all. I want to know how you survived with parks for 10 years. (laughs) I don't go to them. (laughs) So you just do other outdoor stuff or would you just play inside? Generally an indoor person. So we we did move down the coast pre-COVID. So we're able to have a bit more space down here. We never could have afforded a big place in the city. But we're down here now and we've got a big backyard, which is really nice. So that's easy. But Tom, again, Mr. <laughs> Amazing Man, is, is, loves the park. So he will, like, take them down with the bikes and do all that. I go from time to time, but, you know, it just, I, I, I always say I gave um, all my park years up to my nannying kids, those lucky, <laughs> lucky ones. And now my poor daughters get no attention from me at the park. <laughs> Something in 10 years of nanny, in that 10 years, you would definitely go to the park. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I used to go all the time with the nanny kids. And I think that's probably where I learned to kind of go, oh my God, this is so boring. <laughs> I love it. I love that you said about where you're living now. Like, do you feel like you guys started with quite humble beginnings and you've worked really hard to get to the place that you're at now? Like, it wasn't necessarily all given to you at the start. Like, it's because your business has done well, it's because you guys worked hard and even getting to that place where you got that special pot that back when you were getting married, you wouldn't have necessarily been able to afford that living in your small apartment. You said like, I know, I just love those stories where you start somewhere and you've built to this beautiful place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, we were both, Tom and I were really lucky and fortunate in the families we grew up in, went to great schools and everything, but both our parents have the values of you have to work hard for what you want to get. It's as simple as that. We were never handed money. We were never... As soon as I could at 14 and nine months, I went out and got a job at IGA and, you know, I worked two week nights a week after school and a Sunday Arvo and because I wanted to have my own money to spend because, yeah, mum and dad were brilliant. They were, even though they had money, they didn't give it out as if it were free or, you know, over buy certain things or whatever. So it was always dad worked really hard. He 
God, he'd hate if I said the suburb he was from on here, but he came from, yeah, literally nothing. His parents had a, a milk bar with five children, you know, living out the back and he just worked extremely hard to have a successful business and then to have five children. So I think that's always been built in me as well, watching dad. like, And that's where it's so funny talking about the mum and the dad battle because both sexes, whether, you know, more so 50, 40 years ago, but and the attitudes have shifted a lot, which is a good thing. But it's not like the dads are out there doing nothing. Like they are out there working and bringing in an income for the family. So it's, you know, and I think that's where I've got a lot of my drive and my, you know, business kind of side to me is from my dad because I watched him and I watched him for so many years go through shit times and great times and, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, money's really a real issue at the moment. And he always worked it out and he always stayed positive and he always worked extremely hard. And I feel like I've got quite a lot of that from him because COVID was shocking for my catering business. And I just was like, you've just got to stay positive. It is what it is. Yeah, it might all turn to shit, but you can rebuild or you can, you know, pivot and do something else. Or it's not the end of the world. Like, yeah, I've been lucky that we haven't had close family members or children or anything, God forbid, be ill. But it's like unless something like that's happening in your life, it's just not that bad. You can always find a way to pivot and do something else. So, yeah. I love that your dad role modelled that for you because, like, it. I feel like once you see that and you get that mindset, that tenacity, you're audacious, you're willing to pivot, you don't give up. Like, yeah, I just think that's so inspiring. And that is the gumption that we needed to get through COVID, particularly certain industries more than others. And we had to get creative. We had to think outside the box. We had to, in some respects, relax on things that maybe we were kind of hung up on, like, you know, working in the office is now relaxed and all these types of things. I love that you would have seen that through your whole dad's journey, particularly back when your dad was building a business, like they didn't swap and change around. Like they did the same thing for 50 years and there was no career change. Like they really took it out and they made it happen. And even if they could barely even put food on the table, because it was like a really horrible economic time, they'd get through it. They'd always make sure the staff was paid. No one would even necessarily know that things were hard because they would just take it and be a leader. And then things would shift, hopefully, and be really good. And often then you see them retire and they're really successful. And we're now we're trying to actually learn from that generation. And a lot of the time they say, just don't give up. Be audacious. Yeah. Be, have a bit of gumption. Keep going, you know. like So I love that you have that kind of old school businessman, you know, edge to you. It's so beautiful. And look, you've pivoted your business. You've definitely switched into like the whole online content. So what's up ahead for you, Sarah? Like, what are you excited for with your business? God, so much. I'm like, there's never enough hours in a day. Yeah. Lots. Look, it's, I started Wholesome, yeah, about six, seven months ago and it's grown incredibly (laughs) quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't expect. Like I, I, I really didn't expect that. So that's kind of taken me by surprise a little bit. And I think I said a few months ago in a post when I sort of hit 
10,000 or something like that. I was like, (laughs) I I can't go back now. Like, oh my God, I was just doing this for a little bit of fun and to kind of get me through COVID. And because people were really, my community was so gorgeous and they were messaging me saying, oh my God, I made you thing last week and it was superb. And and I sort of thought, oh, this is great. Okay. Well, I'll just do a little bit of this on the side. And now I'm like full throttle in it. So lots, I I think because it's fairly new, I, I just don't want to overwhelm myself too much with like okay what am I doing next like where's like what you're doing at the moment is working and you're building a beautiful community and they like what you're doing so just do that and just see I'm all about opportunity I'm like see what comes my way see what I want to do be myself and you know we'll see but in terms of the actual content I just yeah love filming all the recipes so I'll be you know continuing with them I think I'll move more into the helping trying to help around the home and the kitchen and tips and tricks and all of that that you know can help people in certain ways but yeah I'm just excited it's good that it's taken off and and we'll see where it goes really oh so good well it's so good to talk to you I feel like we got so much out of you like there's so many dimensions to you in your story and your journey and it's it is really really inspiring from like one foodie to another but also from one mother to another and a business owner to another And I think it just really allows and gives permission for so many other women to know they can do it. COVID hasn't stopped us from starting new things. There's still more ideas out there. There's so many more opportunities. Like there's more ways to manage having a family and having a business. And yeah, yeah, I think the more we get that story out there and kind of really lift the hope, I think it will help women break down like some of that fear and, and want to step into it and also want to refine some of their organization or, you know, shift the load over to their husband so they can do the things that mean so much to them. So I loved it. I loved every bit of it, Sarah. And yeah, I love your Instagram and what you're doing. So I'm really excited to keep following along. Oh, definitely. Oh, thank you for having me, Katie. And yeah, it's it's just such a big topic. I feel like I could talk for hours about it and I I feel like as well for women starting their own businesses and stuff that's a huge passion point for me because there are lots of barriers like personal barriers to women but also external barriers and yeah it can be done and it's not easy but you know what life's probably not meant to be easy all the time so yeah I I, you never know in the future we could explore that topic a bit more (laughs) yes yeah I'd love to get you back on and see what's happening that'll be awesome Katie you've been wonderful oh thank you so much Thanks for being here for another episode on Living the Abundant Way. I hope you are leaving a little more empowered, lighter and inspired to create a small step of change for a more wholesome life that you're wildly capable of being a homemaker, wife, mother and entrepreneur. I pray this episode leaves a little nugget in your heart and I would love to hear from you. Like I genuinely mean I'm the testimony queen. Testimonies reveal that it can be done again. I'm also here to listen and support you in life's journeys. And if you have a moment, could you please subscribe and leave a review? It would mean the world to me. Now, don't forget to claim your bonus home transformation breakthrough call with me. During our complimentary time together, I can take a deeper look at the missing links that are causing you stress around your home. See the link in the show notes and I can't wait to chat with you.